The less your business spends, the more margin you keep. But today, everything costs more. So smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one proven platform, helping you reduce IT costs, maintenance costs, and manual errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move to NetSuite. Now through April 15th, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com earnings right now. netsuite.com earnings. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. You know success when you see it. Or you think you do. The people in the spotlight. But what about those small business masterminds who succeed at making their money work harder? They do that by having a business bank account with QuickBooks Money, which now earns 5% annual percentage yield. Making your money work as hard as you do? That's how you business differently. Learn more about QuickBooks Money at quickbooks.com slash 5APY. Banking services provided by Green Dot Bank. Member FDIC. Only funds and envelopes earn APY. APY can change at any time. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. Nathan Hager, futures are plunging, pointing to an extended sell-off that's set to push the S&P 500 into a bear market after Friday's stronger-than-expected inflation data sparked expectations that the Federal Reserve will hike rates even more aggressively. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 95 points. Dow futures down 609. NASDAQ futures leading the declines this morning down 368 points for a drop of 3.1%. The 10-year Treasury is down 21.30 seconds. The yield 3.23%. Yield on the two-year right now 3.19%. NYMEX crude is down 1.3%, down $1.55 at $119.10 for a barrel of West Texas Intermediate. COMEX gold down 8 tenths percent or $15.60 cents at $18.59.90 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0469 against the dollar British pound, 1.2208. The yen is at 134.49. Bitcoin trading just shy of $24,000. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. And now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Thank you very much, Nathan. Another January 6th hearing is taking place this morning. The House Committee investigating the Ryan at the U.S. Capitol is delving deeper into Donald Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud. Those unsupported claims fueled Trump's relentless effort to overturn the 2020 election. A review by the FDA says that Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine appears safe and effective for children under five the only group not currently eligible for vaccination. Game five of the NBA Finals is tonight. The Celtics and the Warriors are even at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets won again. The Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants also won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. It is 549 on Wall Street, and we are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. The global exodus from stocks and bonds looks like it's gaining momentum this morning. Uh, let's get some more color this morning from Joanna Ossinger, cross-asset reporter with Bloomberg News. Uh, joining us this morning from Singapore, uh, there is more pressure on the Fed to intensify the rate hikes. 
Uh, and i got to ask you this morning, is there any appetite for risk, Joanna? <laughs> it does not look like it. I mean, now basically traders are pricing in a Fed rate hike of 75 basis points. We have the yield curve, the 210s inverting, and you know the yen is tumbling to the lowest since 1998. We just have so much stuff going on. Stocks are flashing red pretty much across the board. So it does look like quite a risk-off day. Okay, so as, as far as valuations, is the, <laughs> that looking any better? Well, it's looking better. I mean, you can say if you like a stock at, say, $50, you'll like it a lot more at $30. But, you know, the question is, how are the companies going to be performing in this environment where you might have a lot of inflation and you might have even stagflation, for instance? So, you know, it it just depends, I guess, on what you see as the potential going forward. But definitely they are getting cheaper. So that's the bright side if you're at all optimistic about the about stocks in the market right now. Yeah, can we gauge what future uh, growth is worth right now with uh, the Fed on this uh, more aggressive path? And does that especially mean that it's technology that's going to take it on the chin? Yeah, well, tech stocks definitely are imperiled, and of course, they're already down quite a lot year to date. But, you know, I mean, it's also true, I guess, that people are seeing the potential that the Fed will really have to hike and really have to get on top of this thing. But there are still a lot of things that are working for, say, the U.S. economy right now. I mean, you still have, you know, labor market doing somewhat well. And, you know, there there is potential that the Fed could still achieve a soft landing. I mean, you know, so it, if you want to be optimistic, there there could be some things out there. But it does look like a situation that at least is really uncertain, if nothing else. And it, it looks like we're going to be having a lot of rate hikes going forward. Okay. If you want to talk about risk assets, let's talk about crypto right now. How much of this... Uh, but broader sell-off is risks. How much is specific to uh, to crypto assets like Bitcoin, which, by the way, is now under twenty four thousand? Yeah, Don. I mean, it's really just it, crypto has done quite badly, and of course, it was holding out. Bitcoin was around thirty thousand dollars for months, and that got boring for people. But it was at least somewhat steady, but it's just going way down ever since that inflation print. And actually before Bitcoin and Ether are now down a seventh consecutive day, um, the the pivot by the Fed to the rate hikes uh, has not been good for crypto at all. And it's really actually been worse for other cryptocurrencies, you know, Ether, Avalanche, Cardano, Dogecoin, because the Bitcoin is kind of the seen as the least risky of them, and others have done pretty badly. Plus, you had Celsius, which is a fairly major lender in the space, saying it's freezing withdrawals today, and that's on top of the Terra and Luna meltdown last month. So there is concern in the space that you can have assets one day and maybe not be able to access them, or even with Terra Luna that something could drop precipitously for you. Well, are there technical support levels we need to closely watch when it comes to crypto? I've got about 40 seconds. Yeah, sure. 
So um, there's the 200-week moving average around 22,300. That's a first line of defense at this point. And then people are looking at the 19,500, which was the 2017 high. And those are kind of the main ones from here. But there were predictions that if we got below that 29,000 support, it would drop pretty quickly. And it has done that. So, you know, and then some people are kind of even suggesting further levels below that 19,500. But that's what we're looking at right now. Joanna, thanks a lot. Appreciate it this morning. Joanna Osinger, cross-asset reporter with Bloomberg News. Nathan. John, thank you. We're just about at 554 on Wall Street. Time now for our Bloomberg Law Report. Let's get to the legal stories we're watching this morning. Here's Bloomberg's Jeff Bellinger. California's chief justice says the court system is considering requesting an extension of emergency pandemic era powers because infections are still disrupting judicial operations. There will be no tax relief for Michigan residents. Governor Gretchen Whitmer vetoed a $2.5 billion income tax cut. A new law in Illinois requires employers to provide two weeks of unpaid leave for workers who experience pregnancy loss, failed adoptions, or other events affecting pregnancy and fertility. Bloomberg. Law, everything you need, all on one legal research platform, including guidance, analysis, and Bloomberg Market Intelligence. Find out more at BloombergLaw.com. Now, another legal story we're watching, Top Gun Maverick. It's already grossed more than $600 million worldwide. Now the heirs of the writer whose story inspired the original Top Gun movie want to share in those profits. They filed a lawsuit against Paramount, claiming the studio's been on notice since 2018 that its copyright to the Top Gun franchise was terminated and that it released the sequel without securing a license. Paramount says the claims have no merit. For more, Bloomberg's June Grosso speaks to intellectual property litigator Terrence Ross, partner at Katten Muchen. Terry, this is a blockbuster movie with an enormous budget that's been highly anticipated for a long time. The return of Tom Cruise as Maverick. It seems incredible to me that a studio like Paramount wouldn't be sure they had the rights sewn up before the release. Well, I think that's correct, June, and I know for a fact that Paramount's well represented on the legal side, and I assume that they came to the same conclusion that I did, that there was no obligation on their part to purchase a new license from the Yone family in order to produce the Top Gun sequel. So we get a hint of Paramount's response in the suit. According to the suit, the Yonez sent a cease and desist letter in early May to which Paramount responded that the film had been sufficiently completed before the effective termination date of its copyright and was not derivative of Yonez's article. How is this not derivative? I actually went back and read the California Magazine article called Top Guns, plural, that was written by Mr. Yone, and it was nothing more than a factual account of two fighter pilots' typical day in the Top Gun training program. What it did not have was that the rear seat for Maverick dies during the training. There's no female trainer, the Kelly McGillis part. There's no encounter with MiG fighter jets over the Indian Ocean. There's no father of Maverick being shot down in Korea as the backstory. There's no iconic volleyball match. There's no competition amongst the Top Gun pilots vis-a-vis the Maverick versus Iceman competition. There's simply no story there. What there is is a factual recounting 
of a typical day for two typical Navy fighter pilots in the Top Gun program. The characters are not the characters that got put up on the screen, not Maverick. It's a rather bland set of characters who seem more like bus drivers going to their jobs every day and then drinking at night. And that was Terrence Ross, partner at Cat and Mooch, and speaking with Bloomberg's June Grosso. Catch more of that interview plus analysis of the latest legal news by subscribing to the Bloomberg Law Podcast or downloading the show at Bloomberg.com slash podcast. And attorneys can find exceptional legal research and business development tools at BloombergLaw.com and on the Bloomberg Terminal at BlawGo. S&P futures are down 92 points right now. Dow futures down 594. NASDAQ futures down 352 points. This is Bloomberg. Live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, this is Bloomberg Daybreak for Monday, June 13th, 2022. Coming up this hour. A global sell-off follows Friday's hot inflation reading. The Fed prepares another rate hike to tame higher prices. The January 6th committee readies for another round of hearings. And the Senate reaches a bipartisan agreement on gun legislation. Representative Ocasio-Cortez holds off on backing President Biden for 2024. Plus, we're learning more about the 31 white supremacists arrested in Idaho. I'm Michael Barr. More ahead. I'm John Stashower in sports. The Mets beat the Angels. A Yankees route of the Cubs. The Celtics and Warriors play game five of the NBA Finals tonight. That's all straight ahead on Bloomberg Daybreak. On Bloomberg 1130 New York. Bloomberg 991 Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 1061 Boston. Bloomberg 960 San Francisco. Sirius XM 119. And around the world on BloombergRadio.com and via the Bloomberg Business app. Good morning, I'm Nathan Hager. And I'm John Tucker. Bloomberg Daybreak being brought to you by Informatica. In the cloud, your data has the power to do the extraordinary. Manage data across any location in the cloud for accurate and actionable insights. More at Informatica.com. And futures are falling as we begin a new trading week. It is 6.01 on Wall Street. We check the markets every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. S&P futures are down 92 points. Dow futures down 597. NASDAQ futures are lower by 351 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 23.30 seconds. The yield, 3.24%. John. And there's a global exodus from stocks and bonds this morning following Friday's 880-point drop in the Dow. And the hotter-than-expected inflation reading this morning, the U.S. two-year and 10-year yield curve inverted for a brief time, the two-year exceeding the 10-year for the first time since early April, which some do consider a recession warning. Well, the move comes as investors grow more concerned about high prices and the Fed tightening. Mohamed El-Aryan, Allianz chief economic advisor and Bloomberg opinion columnist, says things are getting harder for the Fed. I think you've got to be very modest about what we know about this inflation process. And I fear that it's still going to get worse. We may well get to 9% at this rate. Mohamed el was a guest on Face the Nation from CBS, heard Sundays on Bloomberg Radio. He says the U.S. is now in a period of stagflation and warns that higher prices could tilt the U.S. economy into recession. Well, June's two-day FOMC meeting begins tomorrow, John, and traders are betting the Federal Reserve will raise rates by 75 basis points at least once in its next three meetings. But Neil Dutta, head of economic research at Renaissance Macro, tells Bloomberg he does not expect Fed Chair Jay Powell to raise them that high at this meeting. I don't- 
don't know that they'll go that much because I do think that 75 basis points kind of undercuts the guidance that they put in place, you know, at their last meeting. And number two, I think that would probably represent potentially a new pace of rate hikes at that point, which would then, I think, shock the markets. Neil Dutta of Renaissance Macro says he thinks the Fed will still sound hawkish this week. Join us for live coverage of Wednesday's Fed decision. A special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance starts that day at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. And as U.S. futures fall, stocks in Europe also tumbling. The stock's 600 is down 2.3%. Overseas in Asia, stocks also dropped. Bond yields surged, while the Japanese yen reached the weakest level in 24 years. Now, Bloomberg's Juliet Sally joins us with the latest from Singapore. The yen weakened to 135 spot 19 against the dollar, the lowest level since 1998. Japan's 10-year bond yield rose above 0.25%, breaching the upper end of the Bank of Japan's policy band. Equity shed more than 2.5% across Asian markets, the worst day in three months. Tech shares in Hong Kong declined by almost 4% intraday, weighing on the broader Hang Seng Index. In Singapore, Juliet Sali, Bloomberg Daybreak. Okay, Juliet, thank you. Bitcoin's feeling the pressure as well this morning. It is plunging to start the week. Bloomberg's Renita Young is tracking crypto for us and joins us live. Renita, good morning. Good morning, Nathan. Bitcoin is trading at its lowest in about 18 months. The impact of Friday's CPI data is showing in U.S. inflation hit a fresh 40-year high. That continues to reverberate through global risk assets. Traders are betting that the Fed will hike rates more aggressively as a result, and cryptos are at the mercy of the Fed. That's according to crypto lender Nexo co-founder Anthony Trenchev, who says He's hearing forecasts expecting Bitcoin to drop as low as the mid-teens and single-digit thousands. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 24000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. All right, thanks, Renita. Supply chain concerns continue to add pressure to the global economy. DHL's freight forwarding unit believes port congestion and supply concerns will ease, but not until 2023. The shipping giant also says that supply flows will never return to pre pandemic levels, even as conditions improve. Wow, and only adding to supply worries, John, are rising COVID cases in China that could mean further lockdowns. The country is starting to reimpose COVID restrictions just weeks after major easing in key cities. Beijing reported 51 new local cases yesterday. It had just single-digit cases most days last week. And meantime, Taiwan taking center stage in geopolitics. It's the focus of talks between global defense chiefs at the Shangri-La Dialogue in Singapore. China says it will fight to the very end if Taiwan makes a move towards independence. But U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is calling for peace in the region. We do not support Taiwan independence. And we stand firmly behind the principle that cross-strait differences must be resolved by peaceful means. The U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin says the U.S. seeks an Asia-Pacific region free of aggression and bullying. Well, John, it looks like a bipartisan group of senators has reached a tentative deal on gun safety. Bloomberg's Ed Baxter has that story. A compromise that at least can pass the Senate? Well, Democratic Senator Richard Blumenthal says it can also save some lives. We can move forward with other common sense, hopefully bipartisan proposals after this one is passed. Our focus right now is making sure we have the 
legislative language and the 60 votes we need to pass it. The bill includes giving grants to states to implement red flag laws. It would provide for more school safety as well as a provision to improve background checks for younger gun buyers. In San Francisco, I'm at Baxter Bloomberg Daybreak. And now turning to the nation's capital, today marks the second round of hearings with the January 6th committee. Today's hearings start at 10 Eastern. Former President Trump's 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien, will give live testimony related to the insurrection at the Capitol. So will the former political director for Fox News, Chris Starwald. And futures are moving lower this morning. Straight ahead, your latest local headlines and a check of sports. This is Bloomberg. All right, thanks, Nathan. 607 on Wall Street. And time to bring in Michael Barr to find out what else is going on in New York and around the world. John, thank you very much. About 100 progressive activists rallied in New York City to protest an event at Chelsea Piers Entertainment Center featuring Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Protesters chanted shame and boycott Chelsea Piers outside the Jewish Leadership Conference. DeSantis rounded off today's speakers with a discussion on the Florida model and why it's good for religious Americans. Speculation is growing that the Florida governor is gearing up for a presidential run. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York is holding off on backing President Biden for a second term in 2024. Ocasio-Cortez said Biden has been doing a very good job so far, but stopped short of supporting his reelection. You know, if the president chooses uh, to run again in 2024, I mean, first of all, I'm focused on winning this majority right now uh, and preserving a majority this year in 2022. So we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. Ocasio-Cortez spoke on CNN State of the Union. A group of suspected white supremacists arrested over the weekend will be arraigned today. They were masked and wearing riot gear near a pride event in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. All 31 men were charged with criminal conspiracy. Vice President Kamala Harris spoke at the Capitol Pride Festival in Washington, D.C. Harris called for celebrating the day, but also called out hate crimes against the LGBTQ plus community, including the attack on the Pulse nightclub in Orlando six years ago. No one should fear going to a nightclub for fear that a terrorist might try to take them down. No one should fear going to a pride celebration because of a white supremacist. The vice president was accompanied on stage by her husband, second gentleman, Doug Imhoff. South Korea says North Korea test-fired what appeared to be artillery shells toward the sea. Seoul says South Korea maintains a firm military readiness in close coordination with the United States. Global News, 24 hours a day, on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. Michael, thank you. Coming up on 610 on Wall Street, and that is time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. Here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. It was a 10-game road trip for the Mets. All 10 played in Southern California. The Mets went 5-5. Five and five. Beat the Angels last night 4-1. to one. Taiwan Walker went six innings, struck out 10. Seth Lugo and Edwin Diaz followed home runs for J.D. Davis and Pete Alonso. Earlier, the Braves won again. They are 11-0 in June. They are five and a half games behind the Mets. For the Yankees, another easy win. And the pitch swung on. There it goes. Deep left field, right field. It is high. It is far. It is gone. It's a three-run home run away back over the grandstand into the bleachers. Carpenter nailed that one. 
And a three-run blast, and the Yankees take an 8-1 lead. WFAN Yanks who had beaten the Cubs 8-0 Saturday night in the Bronx. Came back Sunday, led 10-1 in the third inning. He went on to win 18-4. Matt Carpenter with that. Three-run shot later, another home run. He drove in seven. Kyle Legasioka hit his first two home runs of the season. The second one was hit off a Cubs infielder whose pitch was 35 miles an hour. The Yanks have played 60 games, and they have won 44 of them. Celtics and Warriors play game five of the NBA Finals tonight in San Francisco. Celtics are 7-0 in the playoffs, coming off a loss, and they just lost game four in Boston. And Steph Curry poured in 43 points. Rory McIlroy shot 62 in Toronto, won the Canadian Open golf by two shots over Tony Finau, by three over Justin Thomas. Justin Rose finished fourth. He shot 60. McIlroy won $1.6 million the day after Charles Schwartzel won the first ever tourney on the new Live Tour and won $4 million U.S. Open teams off Thursday in Boston. John Stashow, Bloomberg Sports. John. All right, John, thank you. And ahead of the cash open on Wall Street, futures in the red after Friday's sell-off. Dow futures right now 563 points lower, a decline of 1.8%. S&P futures down 87. That's down 2.2%. The Nasdaq futures, 331 points lower. That is down 2.8%. And as we look at Bitcoin right now, 24000 per token. That is down $3,300. The 10-year yield, 323 This is Bloomberg. And Daybreak being brought to you by the Jewish Communal Fund. JCF's donor-advised fund is the smart choice to manage your philanthropy, especially in times of crisis. Make your giving impactful. Visit jcfny.org. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business App, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Global sell-off continues following last Friday's surprise American inflation print, heaping pressure on the Federal Reserve to step up monetary tightening even further. We check the markets for you every 15 minutes during the trading day on Bloomberg. Right now, S&P futures are down 89 points. Dow futures down 581. NASDAQ futures are lower by 336 points. The 10-year Treasury is down 19.30 seconds. The yield 3.22%. Yield on the two-year 3.19% after a brief inversion for the twos-tens curve early this morning. NYMEX crude is down 1.8% now, down $2.17 at $118.50 a barrel. COMEX gold down 9 tenths percent, down $17.30 at $18.58.30 an ounce. The euro is at 1.0464 against the dollar. British pound 1.2211. The yen at 134.60. Bitcoin now just below $24,000. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash. Now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you very much. The House Committee investigating the January 6th Capitol riot will hold its second hearing this morning. The committee will examine former President Trump's repeated false claims that there was huge voter fraud. Senate bargainers have announced the framework of a bipartisan response to last month's mass shooting. It offers modest gun curbs in efforts to improve school safety and mental health programs. Game five of the NBA Finals is tonight. The Celtics and the Warriors are even at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets remain hot and won again. The Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants also won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr, and this is Bloomberg. John. All right, Mike.
Michael, thank you. It is now 6.20 on Wall Street. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Brokers Studios. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. Well, money markets have increased. Bats, the Fed is going to raise rates more aggressively. And that's continuing to send risk assets plunging. We take a deeper dive this morning with Bloomberg's Danny Berger. Danny, thanks for being with us. Is um, 75 the new 50? It certainly seems like that. I just I even talked to um, someone this morning, Octavio Morenzi uh, from Opimus. He said, look, 75 is not even enough. 100 is what the Fed is going to have to do in order to get inflation under control. But I have to say that that's certainly not the prevailing bet at this, more, uh, at this point. Uh, at 175 basis points by September, though, that does imply that some folks out there are betting that 75 basis points is in the cards before that point. Uh, we had Barclays and Jeffries coming out on Friday after that red hot inflation number saying we're moving up our predictions for this coming Wednesday that the Fed will hike 75 basis points and and really that shock to the system that that, that would create and, and, and the bets of such are really what's rippling through markets this morning. Okay, so uh, risk assets, are they taking a brief holiday, an extended vacation? <laughs> what What happens? Oh, man. I mean, if this is a vacation, this is a upsetting vacation, I'd say. I mean, look, you, you see more of this, right? It's a market trying to grapple with liquidity being pulled from the system. Um, what does that mean for really frothy assets? You see that damage in Bitcoin this morning and the crypto space more broadly. Some corners there just getting absolutely decimated. Um, stocks unable to keep up. There's a question of, look, if inflation is this high, um, do current multiples of does a 90 18 times multiple on the S&P 500 makes sense. Um, and then it's also a world where havens are few and far between. Bonds are selling off. The yen is selling off. It's just a really difficult environment to try to invest in. Yeah, yen 134.59. I can't remember that uh, that number. Where Where's the money flowing? Well, money is just being put on the sidelines at this moment. Put under the mattress. Yeah, exactly. No, almost literally. I was going to say literally, but not quite. I mean, it is going into cash. Um, cash funds have, have seen a lot of money flowing in. And, and look, from a lot of folks we're talking to, it's just you want to stay on the sidelines. It's it's hard to say, okay, you know, bonds, for example, they've fallen so much. Yields look attractive. Let's go buy this. Well, if you tried that trade at any point this year, it's just so volatile. At some point, you get hit really hard, and then, you know, you short the market, and then you have these temporary reliefs. So it's this two-way chop that makes it hard to find anywhere to hide out. Yeah, first, you know, we were told inflation was transitory. Then we were told maybe it's peaking. Um, what is the market expectation? What does the market want to hear from the Fed this week? They, they want to hear that they are able to get inflation under control. But I think the nuance within that, it's not enough to say they'll get it under control, that they'll be aggressive. It's how do they do it in such a way that it doesn't engineer a recession. I think some of the prevailing market sentiment at this moment is it's almost going to be inevitable with inflation so high and the Fed obviously unable to control the supply side. They have to bring demand into line with where supply is. How do you do that without a recession? Um, Obviously, Powell, the rest of the Fed, the word recession isn't used. They're not saying they're trying to do that, but it is something the market is paying close attention to. Are they going to break something? Do they have to break something in order for inflation to come in line? Yeah, I mean, sometimes the cure for higher prices is uh, higher prices, Mm -hmm. as they filled up the car this morning and (laughs) shelled out close to $70. And uh, I know that means I'm going to have to pull back spending somewhere else. So Mm. how much of... uh, these higher prices going to do the work of the Fed for it. 
Well, in, in some ways, um, it, it's likely that it will. Um, consumer sentiment, for example, has in on the Friday University of Michigan survey data showed a consumer sentiment drop to its lowest on record. Um, that certainly indicates that you're going to get a consumer that's pulling back on spending. We've heard from some of the retail giants some, some issues there in terms of um, inventories and willingness for consumers. So perhaps you are seeing some signs of that, but the issue is exactly as you say. You might not be spending elsewhere, but expectations are for energy prices to continue to climb. There's It's sort of the worst of, of it's the Murphy's Law. Everything that can go wrong is going wrong, considering the war in Ukraine, what's happening in China with supply lines. So even if there is that consumer pullback in spending, energy prices are just so high, it still might seep in, keeping inflation stubbornly high. I only buy core stuff, by the way. Oh, good. (laughs) Danny, always a pleasure. Bloomberg's Danny Berger this morning, ahead of the cash open on Wall Street. Futures uh, continue in the red this morning after Friday's sell-off. Dow futures, 594 points lower. That's down 1.9%. S&P futures, 90 points lower. That's down 2.3%. Tech-heavy Nasdaq futures right now down 344 points. That's a decline this morning of 2.9%. Told you about the inversion briefly this morning. Ten-year yield right now at 322. That is up uh, the yield up six basis points this morning. The two-year yield at 318, and that's up 11 basis points. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Daybreak brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business. Top-ranked online MBA program with a real-world foundation. Learn more at hofstra.edu slash go grad. Broadcasting live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studio in New York. Bloomberg 1130 to Washington, D.C. Bloomberg 991 to Boston. Bloomberg 1061 to San Francisco. Bloomberg 960 to the country. Sirius XM Channel 119 and around the globe. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. This is Bloomberg Daybreak. At 6.30 on Wall Street. Good morning. I'm John Tucker. I'm Nathan Hager. We're about three hours away from the open of U.S. trading. Time for the five things you need to know to start your day. Brought to you by Interactive Brokers Global Analyst. Helps you find new global investment opportunities to diversify your portfolio and discover undervalued companies that may have greater growth potential. Try IBKR Global Analyst today at IBKR.com slash GA. Up first, a global exodus from stocks and bonds continues this morning following Friday's 880-point drop in the Dow and the hotter-than-expected inflation reading. This morning, the U.S. two-year, 10-year yield curve inverted for the first time since early April. Some consider that a recession warning. And tomorrow, June's two-day FOMC meeting begins. The Federal Reserve expected to raise interest rates again, with traders betting the Federal Reserve will raise by 75 basis points at least once in its next three meetings. Ben Bernanke, the former head of the Federal Reserve, says it's possible the U.S. slips into recession, but it might not be a large one. I think a recession is possible. Economists are very bad at predicting recessions. But I think the Fed has a, a decent chance, a reasonable chance, of achieving a what Jay Powell calls a softish landing. 
the former Fed chair, Ben Bernanke, speaking on CNN. And you can join us live for coverage of Wednesday's Fed meeting with a special edition of Bloomberg Surveillance that starts at 1.30 p.m. Wall Street time on Bloomberg Radio and Television. Well, Bitcoin is also feeling the pressure this morning, and Bloomberg's Renita Young joins us live with the latest on that. Good morning, Renita. Good morning, Nathan. Bitcoin is trading at its lowest in about 18 months. The impact of Friday's CPI data showing U.S. inflation hit a fresh 40-year high continues to reverberate through global risk assets. Traders are betting that the Fed will hike rates more aggressively as a result, and cryptos are at the mercy of the Fed. That's according to crypto lender Nexo co-founder Anthony Trenchev, who says he's hearing forecasts expecting Bitcoin to drop as low as the mid-teens and single-digit thousands. Right now, Bitcoin is trading around 24000 Live in New York, I'm Renita Young, Bloomberg Daybreak. Renita, thanks. And today marks the second round of hearings for the January 6th committee. Today's hearings start at 10 a.m. Eastern. Former President Trump's 2020 campaign manager, Bill Stepien, will give live testimony related to the insurrection at the Capitol. So will the former political director for Fox News, Chris Steyerwald. All right, futures right now moving lower, as we say. S&P futures down 87 points. Dow futures down 571. NASDAQ futures are lower by 329 points. Ten-year treasuries down 21, 30 seconds for a yield of 3.23%. That's the five things you need to know to start your day, brought to you by Interactive Brokers. This is Bloomberg. And it is now 6.33 on Wall Street, and it's time to check what's going on in New York and around the world. Here's Michael Barr. John, thank you very much. Connecticut Governor Ned Lamont is commenting about a potential deal among a group of bipartisan senators on gun reform. Lamont is suggesting lawmakers use his state as a model. Connecticut passed strict gun laws four months after the massacre at Sandy Hook Elementary School nearly ten years ago. Nobody has taken away your guns. You're still hunting, doing that safely. you got to understand that we can get the right balance. These slippery slope arguments kill a lot of reasonable compromise. Governor Lamont says Connecticut's laws include universal background checks, banning the sale of high-capacity magazines, and creating a registry of deadly weapon offenders. More than 30 members of a white supremacist group will be arraigned today. They were arrested over the weekend near a northern Idaho Pride event. LGBTQ advocates say that the polarization and a fraught of political climate have put their community increasingly at risk. Police say the Patriot Front members with riot gear were arrested near Coeur d'Alene, Idaho. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez of New York is holding off on backing President Biden for a second term in 2024. Ocasio-Cortez said we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I believe that the president has been doing a very good job uh, so far. And, um, you know, should he run again? I think that I, you know, I think it's it's we'll take a look at it. Okay, <laughs> but right now we need to focus on winning a majority instead of a presidential election. Ocasio-Cortez spoke on CNN State of the Union. Fighting continues to rage in Ukraine's eastern Donbas region. Ukrainian forces are outgunned trying to hold off the Russian advance. Meanwhile, NATO Secretary General says the alliance is working with Turkey to address its resistance to membership by Finland and Sweden. Turkish President Erdogan highlighted activities of the Kurdistan Workers' Party as part of his country's objections to their membership. NATO's Jens Stoltenberg is calling Turkish concerns about security risks legitimate. I would like to see this solved as soon as possible, and therefore we are working hard 
uh, with our NATO uh, ally Turkey, uh, Turkey uh, and also with uh, Finland and Sweden to uh, address uh, those issues that uh, Turkey has uh, raised. Stoltenberg met with the president of Finland in Helsinki. The Tonys were handed out last night. A Strange Loop won the best musical. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts from more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg, John. Michael, thank you. It's now 6.36 on Wall Street. That's time for the Bloomberg Sports Update. And here's John Stashauer. Thanks, John. Matt Carpenter played 10 years in St. Louis. He was a good hitter until the last couple of seasons. We had about 350 at-bats and only hit seven home runs. He's got seven with the Yankees in 24 at-bats. He hit two, drove in seven. And the Yankees route. The Cubs. I got away from me in the last few years. Um, you know, just didn't really have it. And was able to put in a lot of good work and had a lot of people help me kind of get it back. So it's pretty rewarding. And to be able to do it um, in New York City for the best team in baseball and, you know, them have the faith in the sign me, it's, it's, it means a lot, and I'm enjoying it. Carpenter wasn't going to play yesterday until Glaber Torres wasn't feeling well. Kyle Higashioka had his first two home runs of the season. The Yankees beat the Cubs 18-4. to The day after winning 8-0, they sweep the series. They've won 11-12. of In that stretch, they're averaging scoring more than seven runs a game. Mets finished the road trip with a 4-1 win over the Angels. Pete Alonso is National League leading 18th home run. J.D. Davis hit one earlier. Taiwan Walker got the win. Much needed because Atlanta won again. The Braves' 11th win in a row. Whoever wins tonight in San Francisco can then win the NBA championship Thursday in Boston. It's game five of the NBA Finals. Celtics and Warriors tied at two. WNBA Liberty lost by two to Chicago despite... Sabrina Onieski having a triple-double while still in the third quarter. U.S. Open golf coming to Boston this week. Rory McIlroy just won in Toronto for the final round 62. Upset in college baseball. Notre Dame beat Tennessee, who was 57-9 and and ranked number one. And the Irish now off the College World Series for just the third time in school history. John Stashauer, Bloomberg Sports. John? All right, John, thanks very much. 638 on Wall Street. Time now to take a look at the stocks. And some of the names that are moving in the pre-market. For that, we're joined by Bloomberg Radio and TV Markets correspondent Kriti Gupta. Uh, here's an easy question. What's up? Um, not a whole lot. What's Literally up? only, only three. Only three stocks higher in the pre, in the pre-market and really all of them on extremely light volumes. I don't want to put any stock into it. I think a better question is what's down and it's everything. But look at what's taking. Well, that's depressing. Well, it is, but you know, it's I'm a risk off Monday. <laughs> I'm sorry to, to be uh, a little bit of a Debbie Downer here, but I think what's important here is to look at what the highest volume names are. I think that's the best, best way to look at what the direction of the market is today. Of course, it's down, but what is driving it lower? And of course, it's going to be big tech. And this is going to be the big question as we talk about whether or not the markets can actually rebound, because it might not necessarily be what's happening within the stock market, but what's happening within the broader market. Remember, at the same time, you also see yield uh, at 3.2% at the 10-year yield. That, of course, is going to spark tech as well. A stronger dollar Because tech, to... we, get, we need to explain to everybody that yeah. the tech is, you're paying for essentially future growth with a lot of those stocks. And when the rates go up, that makes future growth less attractive. Exactly. But remember, a lot of these tech names also have a lot of cash on their balance sheets. And Uh, if you have higher rates and inflation, that means that cash is going to be worth less so what future. do they do? Do they have to put that to work somewhere else? Or? In theory, um, it means buybacks. It means dividends. It means uh, M&A. Yeah, but, you know, in this environment, can they really do um, M&A without getting a lot of antitrust scrutiny? So tech is kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. And the other spot I would really 
look at is the dollar. I love talking about FX, but the dollar story with tech is so important because a stronger dollar gets in the way of foreign buyers hopping into the stock market, buying Apple, buying Amazon. Think about a European or an Asian investor. To get into the stock market, you have to buy the dollar first. And if the dollar is much, much stronger, where's your incentive to hop in? Yeah, and uh, as rates go up, you know, again, a, a primer there, the dollar goes up because it's all about rate differentials because, you you know, you compare, let's let's say Japan, you yeah. compare it there where rates are just opposite. So uh, we see that reflected in the uh, the currency markets. Well, in theory, they should be, as you see higher rates, to your point, you should see a stronger dollar. What happens, though, when, say, the economy contracts? Do people sell the dollar or do people buy the dollar? In theory, FX is supposed to be a gauge of the economy. If the economy isn't doing well, does that necessarily mean you should be hopping into the dollar? So many questions when it comes to these cross-asset moves. And with all the answers, Kriti Gupta, <laughs> our uh, radio and TV markets correspondent. And as we look at the market right now, the uh, Dow futures, 578 points lower after Friday's sell-off. S&P futures down 88 points. And the Nasdaq futures down 333 points. Uh, you want rates? 10-year, 323 that's up about the seven basis points, the two-year at 3.19%. You're listening to Bloomberg. And Bloomberg is being brought to you by Hofstra University's Frank G. Zarb School of Business, top-ranked online MBA program with a real-world foundation. Learn more at hofstra.edu slash gograd. Markets, headlines, and breaking news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Bloomberg Business app, and at Bloomberg Quick Take. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. I'm Nathan Hager. Investors are racing away from risk this morning. Let's head right over to the First Word Breaking News Desk for today's morning call with Bill Maloney. Good morning, Bill. And good morning, Nathan. That's right. U.S. futures are plunging right now. A Dow futures down 557 points. S&P's drop 86. Well, NASDAQ futures are down by 330. The U.S. 10-year yield at 3.23%. Gold is down 16. Oil is in the red. And Bitcoin is down by a whopping 12%. Japan fell 3% overnight, while European markets are also in the red, led by 2% losses in France, Germany, and Italy. Back in the U.S., nothing to report on the economic front. And in other news, China is reintroducing some COVID-19 restrictions just weeks after reopening key cities. Crypto lender Celsius stopped withdrawals, and the yen hit a 24-year low. Wrapping things up, Invesco and Tiro Price were both cut at BMO. Tesla was raised to outperform over at RBC. Live from the First of Breaking News Desk, I'm Bill Maloney. Nathan. Okay, Bill, thanks. To get live breaking news over your Bloomberg, type squawk on the terminal, S-Q-U-A, go. That's a Bloomberg Business Flash, and now here's Michael Barr with more on what's going on around the world. Michael. Nathan, thank you, sir. Another January 6th hearing is taking place this morning. The House Committee investigating the riot at the U.S. Capitol is delving deeper into Donald Trump's false claims of widespread voter fraud. Those unsupported claims fueled Trump's relentless effort to overturn the 2020 election. A review by the FDA says that Pfizer's COVID-19 vaccine appears safe and effective for children under five, the only group not currently eligible for vaccination. Game five of the NBA Finals is tonight. The Celtics and the Warriors are even at two games apiece. In baseball, the Yankees and Mets won again. 
The Red Sox, Orioles, and Giants also won. The Nationals and A's lost. Global News, 24 hours a day on air and on Bloomberg Quick Take. Powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Michael Barr. This is Bloomberg. The following commentary is from Bloomberg Opinion. New York City is a lot safer than small-town America. I'm Justin Fox, a columnist for Bloomberg Opinion. Since the summer of 2020, the U.S. has been experiencing a deadly wave of violence, and New York City has not been immune. The number of homicides in the city rose 50% in two years. It's down 9% so far this year, but the city has still seen some shocking events. Regular consumers of the news would be forgiven for thinking that it has become a terribly dangerous place. Run the numbers, though, and what stands out is how safe it is. Among the largest American cities, New York has by far the lowest murder rate. Factor in other external threats that people face, such as traffic accidents, and it's one of the least dangerous places in the country. Where is overall risk highest? In rural areas. I'm Justin Fox. For more opinion, please go to Bloomberg.com slash opinion or OPIN Go on the Bloomberg Terminal. This has been Bloomberg Opinion. You can hear Bloomberg Opinion commentaries every weekday at this time. Terminal customers can read more at OPIN Go. It is 6.50 on Wall Street. Let's turn to news and science and technology now with the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report brought to you by New Jersey Institute of Technology, offering New Jersey's first undergraduate degree in fintech. NJIT is future in the making, tech-driven, finance-focused. Learn more at njit.edu slash fintech. And now here's what's making news in science, technology, engineering, and math. Companies announcing plans to eliminate greenhouse gas emissions have so far not met the most basic criteria for a net zero goal. It's according to new research led by the Energy Climate Intelligence Unit, Oxford Net Zero, and other expert groups. They found only a third of the plans fulfill what the Net Zero Tracker Report considers the bare minimum. Electric Last Mile Solutions says it plans to liquidate through a Chapter 7 bankruptcy process. The decision comes nearly a year after the electric vehicle startup went public and just four months after both its chief executive officer and chairman resigned. The filing makes Electric Last Mile the first of the EV startups that merged with special purpose acquisition companies to go out of business amid the recent market slump. And British billionaire Richard Branson is hitting back at cryptocurrency scammers who he says are using his name to sign up users for fraudulent scams. Branson says he has spoken with meta executives about erroneous promotions appearing on Facebook. And that's the Bloomberg NJIT STEM report. John. All right. Thanks, Nathan. We are live from the Bloomberg Interactive Broker Studios, where it is now 652 on Wall Street. And it's time to check what's going on in D.C. Some of the top stories in our nation's capital include senators reaching a tentative deal on gun safety after mass shootings. Some January 6th panelists say uh, uh, they have enough evidence uncovered to indict Donald Trump. And Ocasio-Cortez is holding off backing President Biden for 2024 as too early. China also alarming the U.S. with private warnings to avoid the Taiwan Straits. And let's take a deeper dive into these stories this morning with Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Happy Monday to you, Em. Um, what is in the gun safety bill? 
So we have a number of different things in the framework that was announced over the weekend. We, we still don't have any text yet, but one big thing that we know in there are those so-called red flag laws that allows courts to remove guns from potentially dangerous owners. Um, and those, there would be a grant program in there that would sort of in, help incentivize states that haven't already implemented those laws to look into doing so. We've seen those states implement, uh, those laws rather, implemented across both blue and red states. Um, and so this is something that lawmakers felt they could come to an agreement on. We're also going to be seeing uh, billions more for mental health services and school safety, um, as well as closing something called a boyfriend loophole. That would be if someone has a record of domestic violence and abuse uh, for a girlfriend or a partner that they're dating. Um, that would also lead, uh, could lead to their, their guns being taken away from them. Uh, previously, it was only uh, domestic violence cases if, if you were married to someone or or had a, had a kid with them. So this definitely expands that in a move that so some, Democrat, some Democrats are uh, pretty su- surprised but pleased by. Now, of course, John, the big question is, how is this actually going to get passed? When is that this going to get passed? Of course, we don't have the text yet. We're going to need to have that before we can talk about moving anything forward. And even if we do get the text this week, the Senate tends to move a little slow. Uh, there's a good chance we might not see final passage until next week. Um, or potentially, you know, even after that, that January, uh, sorry, July 4th recess. Uh, who is on board with this? Any uh, real significant names that might be surprising? So we knew from the start that uh, Texas Senator John Cornyn, a Republican, and Democratic Senator Chris Murphy were the ones working behind this. Um, you have actually did see Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell praise progress in the talks, although he didn't say whether or not he would support a final piece of legislation. Um, there's also a number of Republican senators who did sign on to this framework. Uh, you've got the 10, then uh, they kind of are, are a lot of the usual suspects, Susan Collins, Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney uh, have all gone ahead and, and signed on to this framework. And, of course, th- th- at this point, there are 10, but the key is keeping those 10 on board as this framework moves from an outline to an actual law and then begins to go through the process. Okay, another hearing today for the January 6th panel. What's going to happen? So we're going to be hearing uh, from a couple different individuals. Um, I think one individual the committee is most interested in hearing live testimony from is Trump's uh, campaign, former campaign manager. Uh, they're going to really trying to be hitting home the fact uh, that, you know, Trump knew and was told repeatedly that he had lost the 2020 election, but that he was still that he was still determined to find a way uh, to make sure that he was ultimately declared the winner to basically overturn the will of the voters. Um, and another interesting bit that we are hearing January 6th committee uh, members announced that they do have enough evidence for a criminal indictment against Trump and his role to overturn the 2020 election. Of course, the committee, they can't bring any charges. That's not what they're designed to do. This would have to be something where the Justice Department would need to bring those charges. And we did hear from uh Congressman Adam Schiff on the committee saying that he hopes that the Justice Department does investigate certain actions that the committee is highlighting uh, because he, he doesn't see the any public evidence, at least, that the Justice Department is investigating everything that the committee is finding at this point. And just a real quick, the, the final story we can do here is uh, are uh, progressive Democrats abandoning Joe Biden in 2024? 
So this all centers, of course, around the remark that Congresswoman uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez made, uh, stopping short of endorsing Biden for 2024, saying we should get past the midterms. I mean, look, she has said that Biden has been doing a very good job so far. Uh, but Biden has also faced questions about his mental fitness. He's currently 79. And to a certain extent, Democrats uh, like to portray themselves as the party of diversity, of, you know, of progress. And I think a number of them want to see a face in charge of the party that, you know, is is a is either female or is minority or you know is not. I think everyone's able to rally around Biden, um, and that kind of also brings on the big question of of if not Biden, then then who? And I think that's something we're going to see Democrats continue to grapple with, particularly as we of course yeah. get past the midterms. Uh, Democrats are facing a rough road in November, but are, are hoping that in the next couple months um, that the conditions improve with inflation and, and Americans become more supportive. Bloomberg government reporter Emily Wilkins. Thanks, I appreciate it. You can read more about these stories on Bloomberg.com or the Bloomberg Terminal. Reminder, you can follow all the latest on Bloomberg Radio in Washington. That's Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Dow Futures. 561 points lower ahead of the open. That's down 1.8%. The S&P futures down to 86. And right now the NASDAQ futures 330 points lower. You're listening to Bloomberg Daybreak. Just ahead, Bloomberg Surveillance. And for Nathan Hager, I'm John Tucker. Do you love Elon Musk? Do you hate Elon Musk? Do you have no idea what to think about Elon Musk, then we have just the show for you. He's become even more larger than life. Buying Twitter doesn't get us closer to Mars. They are like really close to the edge of like everything falling apart. Like, oh, Elon, I volunteer, put a chip in my brain. Each week on this podcast, we'll break down, analyze and debate the most important stories on Musk and his empire. It's all one big universe. You just work for Elon Inc. From Bloomberg Businessweek, this is Elon Inc. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.